Hello, I'm Sean. Welcome to Wellspring Baptist Church Podcast. We're glad that you're listening today. For more information on all that's happening at Wellspring, please visit our website at www.wellspringbaptistchurch.org. I hope this message is a blessing to you. All right, take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We've been uh, studying in the book of Exodus. We're going to continue that this morning. But starting in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we're going to read the first 11 verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 1. Moreover, brethren, Paul talking to the believers at Corinth. Moreover, brethren, talking to us. I would not that ye should be ignorant how that our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat that same spiritual meat and did all drink that same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock. We sang about that rock this morning. That spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was, say it, But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Let me just stop right there for just a second. I don't want us to think that God is hard to please. God is holy. God is just. He is righteous. But we know what pleases God, don't we? We know what pleases God. What pleases God? Faith pleases God, right? Faith pleases God. He says in verse 6, But these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyers. Now all these things happened unto them. Who? Those people. The the children of Israel coming out of uh, Egypt. What we're studying in the book of Exodus. They all happened unto them for in samples. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. The Old Testament, these stories in Exodus are written for us that we can learn. There's examples there. There's things that we should learn from uh, what not to do, right? Uh, that he says, hey, we're, these are examples of t- to not lust, to not have adultery, fornication, tempting Christ through unbelief, murmuring, complaining, these sort of things. And so he says, hey, these stories in Exodus are for us to learn from so that we don't have to go through some of the things that they did. Take your Bibles now and go to Exodus. Um, Last week we talked about the power and the blood. We talked about the Passover. We talked about uh, the people of God uh, being delivered from their enemies and passing through the Red Sea, it was amazing. It was a wonderful miracle of God. And then when you begin reading in verse 1 of chapter 15, uh, they begin 
to sing songs. Moses begins to sing a song of praise and worship. Um, Miriam and the women begin to sing songs of God's power and His might and His strength. They're singing about the victory over their enemies, singing about the victory over their oppressors. I mean, these are true worship songs from the heart. Would you agree with me that at this point in time, uh, in, in chapter 15 of the children of Israel's history, this is a mountaintop experience. And this is victory. They're, they're, they're doing really well. Uh, they're excited about God and excited about what God's done for them and their homes and their families and their people. And they're praising God from the heart, happy. But before the, before the, before the chapter even ends, chapter 15 in Exodus, there's a test. There's a, there's a test. By the way, Christian, I'm not trying to be a, uh, a bummer here. I'm not trying to be a wet blanket. But sometimes uh, we'll have a mountaintop experience. We'll see the power of God. But right afterwards, uh, there is a time of proving. A time uh, our faith is tested. Um, sometimes it's uh, God allowing things into our lives to show uh, our spiritual growth or to draw closer to Him. Sometimes it's evil comes up against us and attacks us and tries to discourage us. Is that not true? Has anyone ever experienced something like this? These things, these things are true. This is what happens. And so as you look at this, they, they're entering into the wilderness. This is the beginning of their journey. They're entering into the wilderness. They go into Mara. And they, uh, they, they can't drink the water because the water there is bitter. In verse, verse 24, And the people murmured against Moses saying, What shall we drink? I mean, here they are. They have a victory. And now they're like, What are we going to drink? What's going to happen? We can't drink this water. It's bitter. And, and, and he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the water, the water was made sweet. And there he made for them a statute and an ordinance. And there he, say it, proved them. There he proved them. Um, Good to see you, Dennis. God said, I'm going I'm to prove them. What is he proving them on? Uh, he's proving them on their faith if they'll trust Him, if they'll follow Him. You know what Jesus said in Matthew 6 and verse uh, 25? What did Jesus say? He says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not life more than meat, and the body more than rain it. Uh, here they are. They go through a victory. They go through a, 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 a great thing in their life. And then they come up to a place of proving. They come up to a place of testing. By the way, your, our, te- our faith is nothing unless it's tried. Amen. Our faith is not faith unless it's proven. Right? So he continues to do this. Look at uh, chapter 16 and verse 2. Chapter 16 and verse 2. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God that we had died in the the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the full. For we have... uh, 
For ye have brought us forth into the wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. Here they are. The very first two tests that they go through are what? What shall we eat and what shall we drink? Their first two tests. And what does Jesus say in the New Testament? He says, take no thought for what you shall eat or what you shall drink. Why? Because he says, I will provide. I'm going to provide for you, but this is a test of your faith. Your perceived inefficiencies or uh, lack of supply. God says, don't, don't, don't look at that. Look at me. Look at me. And he goes on to say, then the Lord said, uh, then the Lord, then said the Lord unto Moses, behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day. And I will say it, I will prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. He said, I will approve them. Again, he's allowing tests in their life to see if they'll grow spiritually. To see if they'll grow and encourage their faith. Um, that's what it's all about, by the way. That's what it's all about. It's about our faith growing. Here's the thing. All of us are going to go through testing, times of testing, times of proving. And it would be a waste of time for us to sit here and try to uh, say exactly how each and every one of us is supposed to react to our specific testing or proving. But one thing I can say for sure is that the right answer, the right reaction to our test and our proving is faith. It's faith. It really is. It's believing God. It is it is trusting Him no matter what it looks like. I mean, the last thing they thought was that bread was going to fall down from heaven. But let me say, can God do anything? That's right. I mean, God can do anything. He can make bread fall down from heaven. Can He? Absolutely. Absolutely. He can do that. These folks had seen the most amazing miracles and signs from God. I mean, they had just seen him with the plagues and cross, split the Red Sea. And they walked through on dry ground. Amen. They just saw that. That was just, just, just happened. They saw the whole army of Egypt covered over with water and destroyed their enemies. But now they're, they are that quickly, they are in unbelief. That quickly, they're doubting. That quickly, they're wondering if God's going to provide for them. And before we get too judgmental on the children of Israel, look at your own life and what God has done and then, and then stop, stop and think about what you're afraid of today, what you fear, what you're looking at today. And, and then just stop right there dead in your tracks and say, God's going to handle it. God can take care of it. God will provide. He, he will make a way in the wilderness, no matter where. He can do whatever He wants to do. He is God. He is God. Look at verse 14. So, they're already murmuring and complaining, blaming other people, blaming Moses, tempting God. Uh, he, it, it, God does, God's going to let us go hungry, you know. He, he'd forgotten about us. He delivered us out of Egypt, sure, but now He's going to let us die out here in the wilderness. Verse 14, the Bible says, like, says this, and when the, the dew that lay, And when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, when the face, upon the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another... 
it is manna. For they wist not what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. Look at verse uh, 31. And the house of Israel called the name of it manna. Uh, verse 32, And Moses said, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, fill an omer of it to keep for your generation that they may see. He said, Listen, I want you to keep this and tell people later about what I've provided for you. How that I uh, rain this bread down for you. Look what he says in verse 35. And the children of Israel did eat manna how long? Forty years until they came into a land inhabited. They did eat manna until they came into the borders of the land of Canaan. He said, hey, for 40 years I'm going to provide for you. For 40 years this bread is going to fall down and you can just go out and and gather it up. Uh, I will miraculously provide this bread for you. But they still, these people, God's people, even after that, awesome blessing. They still got hard-hearted. There was times that they still were in unbelief. And it's interesting that when Jesus Christ came, uh, God manifests in the flesh, uh, performing miracles, doing His ministry, the people that He ran into were still hard-hearted. They were still hard-hearted. Take your Bibles. We're going to go back to Exodus, but go to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Now this is the story of Jesus and the multitudes following him in verse 1 and 2. Um, and verse 5. And when Jesus lifted up his eyes, he saw a great company come unto him and saith to Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? Now Jesus is asking a question not because he doesn't know the answer, right? He's asking the question because he wants to see if Philip has faith. And this, he said to what? Prove him. For he himself knew that he, what, he would, what he would do. So here we see it again. Jesus Christ comes. There's an issue of food. There's an issue of bread needed. And he says to Philip, where are we going to get the bread? Uh, he asks a question. Why did he ask Philip that? To prove Philip. And of course you know what he does. He takes, he takes the uh, five barley loaves and two small fishes, the little lad's lunch, and he feeds the 5,000, right? And then Jesus passes over the sea, going to Capernaum, and the multitude follows him. The multitude follows Christ over there. Now pick it up with me in verse 26. Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me, not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat the loaves and were filled. So there's kind of a, 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 a digression here. He says, you're not following me for who I am. You're not even following me because of the miracles. Now you're following me because I gave you lunch. Just the carnal stuff. Just the bread. Just because I gave you food to eat. Verse 27. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, 
But for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? You know? We want to do great things for you, God. We want to do wonderful. What do we got to do to do the... What do we got to do to turn five loaves and two fishes and feed the 5,000? Jesus says in verse 29, Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe on Him whom He hath sent. The work of God is faith. And faith works, by the way. But you know what we have to do? Sometimes you say faith, that's not, that's not a work. Uh, no, but, but here's what it is. It's a forcing yourself, a stretching yourself to say, no matter what I come into, I'm going to believe God. Amen. Do you know that we have a, a natural instinct, uh, a natural tendency, an animal instinct, if you will, for food, <laughs> for drink, and for, and for just human? And he says, no, above those things, the work of God is against all that is within you, saying, be afraid, or be angry, or be uh, this or that, or whatever it is. He says, above all that, believe in me. Believe in me. That's the work of God. And that's what Christ was trying to get his people to do all along. And it's not different today. You know what he wants from us? To believe in him. For the right reasons, for the right motive, because he is who he is. Look at verse 35, or 30, excuse me, 30. Then, <laughs> this is interesting. Then said, uh, they said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? In other words, uh, we need to see more miracles. And he just saw them feed the 5,000 with the five loaves and two fishes. But they're saying, okay, we'll believe you if we see another miracle, right? We want another miracle. So they begin to manipulate Christ. Watch this. They begin to manipulate him. Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. You know what they're trying to do? They're trying to get Jesus to rain manna down from heaven. They're like, if you'll do what, he, what God did in the Old Testament for, our, for the people, then, then we'll believe you. If you'll rain uh, manna down right now so that we can eat, then we'll believe you. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not the bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto unto, unto him, Lord, moreover, give us this bread. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. He said, my father did bring manna down from heaven, and here I am. It's me. I'm that bread of life. I am the one that's come that you might have life. In a parallel story in the Gospel of Mark, he says this, uh, Jesus says this, And the Pharisees came forth and began to question him, seeking of him a sign from heaven, tempting him, the Bible says, tempting him. And he sighed, Jesus sighed deeply in his spirit and saith, Why does this generation seek a sign? Verily I say unto you, there shall no sign be given unto this generation. Do you know what? These people wanted to see miracles. They wanted to see all these sort of things. But they didn't see the living uh, bread 
standing in front of them. They didn't see Christ for who he was. Let me say this. I believe in miracles. I believe in miracles. But I don't believe because of miracles. Right? I believe because of God's spirit, because of God's word. Do you know what we find in the scripture? We find in the scripture that miracles don't uh, generate faith. You say, what do you mean? Uh, the people of Israel had just seen the most amazing miracles uh, coming out of Egypt, the Red Sea, and they still were in unbelief, were they not? How about, how about the disciples? How about uh, you know Peter, James, and John? These are folks that saw Jesus Christ raise the dead, did they not? They saw Jesus Christ raise the dead. They saw Jesus heal all manner of diseases, did, did they not? And yet, they themselves did these miracles. But when, but when uh, Jesus Christ died on the cross, what happened? They lost their faith. You know what they needed? You know what they needed? They needed the Holy Spirit. They needed that Holy Spirit that came on that day of Pentecost. They needed the Word of God that would uh, nail it down in their hearts that they believe in God no matter what's going on, no matter what's going on in the world or what's going on around us that say, hey, listen, my faith is is in Him. Sometimes we think, uh, hey, if I just had one more miracle, if I just saw one more thing, then I'd believe. Then I'd follow God. But let me say this. Jesus warned of this in Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, to the same people that He'd given this manna to, He said this, um, And thou shalt remember all the way that the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee, to prove thee. I, I want to point that out every time that we see that. That, that he is using uh, what we eat, what we drink. He's using his daily blessings to us to prove us. To see how we'll act or react. He says that he humbled thee and, and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know. That he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. He said, I gave you this daily bread so that you would know that it wasn't the bread that was important. That it was my word that was important. Then he says, Thy raiment waxed not old upon thee, neither did thy feet swell for forty years. He said, not only did I bring bread, bread down for you each and every day uh, for you to eat. He said, your clothes never wore out. For 40 years, your clothes never wore out. You wore the same things. You know what he's doing? He said, every day I showed you my power and my presence, but yet you were still in unbelief. Look at, go back to Exodus. Exodus chapter 17. You know what's interesting is God said that to His people in Deuteronomy. But when Jesus was tempted, Jesus was tempted in Matthew chapter 4. The Bible says, And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward a hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones be made bread. And he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You see that Jesus was in the wilderness... Like the children of Israel was in the wilderness. He was hungry like they were hungry. And he was tempted to do wrong, to to murmur, to complain, to do all these things like they were tempted. 
but yet without sin. He quoted the Scripture and said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I believe that the, uh, the enemy tries to tempt us for what? He tries to tempt us to unbelief. He tries to tempt us to murmur, to complain, to doubt God, to doubt God's provision, to doubt God's presence even. Like, the Lord's not with us. Look at, look at Exodus chapter 17. So they're continuing. This is the journey that they're taking. They've, they've crossed over. They, now they were hungry, but now God's given them manna every morning. Verse 1, And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys according to the commandment of the Lord and pitched in Rephidim. And there was no water for the people to drink. Wherefore the people did chide with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide ye with me? Wherefore do ye tempt the Lord? Now it went from uh, them being tested to now they're tempting God. Now they're uh, going into unbelief. And the people thirsted there for water. And the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us out up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They are almost ready to stone me. I mean, here's the people, they've just been delivered from bondage. We read that, how bad it was. It was rigor. It was awful. They were in terrible bondage in Egypt. Now God's delivered them. And the first thing that they say is, we would be better off in Egypt. They say that all the time, don't they? We'd be better off back in bondage. We'd be better off back in these... back in, uh, under Pharaoh than being out here with the freedom. Verse 5, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people and take with thee the elders of Israel and thy rod wherewith thou smotest the river. Take it in thy hand and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb. And thou shalt smite the rock and there shall come water out of it. The people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the chiding of the children of Israel because they tempted the Lord. How did they tempt the Lord? I want you to notice this. They tempted the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? They tempted the Lord by saying, is the Lord among us or not? Here's what we find in this passage. That God says, hey, I'm going to provide for you water in the wilderness. I'm going to provide for you satisfaction. I'm going to provide sustained life for you in the wilderness. And how does he do it? He says to smite the rock. Smite the rock. Paul, the apostle, tells us who the rock was. Doesn't he in 1 Corinthians? Who was the rock? Christ was the rock. And he was smitten for us. The prophet Isaiah says, surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem Him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and with His stripes we are healed. What happened when Jesus Christ was crucified, buried, and rose again? What happened when Christ was smitten? The water poured out. 
Just like He promised to the woman at the well, the Holy Spirit was poured out onto the people. Now you and I have a living well of water living inside of us. Why? Because the rock was smitten. Because Jesus Christ died and made it possible for the Holy Spirit to come and give us a continual satisfaction of living water even in this wilderness that we live in. It can be springing up inside of us into everlasting life. They tempted the Lord though. They tempted the Lord how? By unbelief. What shall we drink? They said this, is the Lord among us or not? You know what? Can you imagine that? I mean, stop and think. Don't read over these things too quickly. These were literal people that had never seen bread fall from the sky before. Just like you and I. And now, every morning, six times a week, and uh, more on Friday for their Sabbath, they were able to gather up their bread to sustain life. And they still had the, the audacity <laughs> to say, is God with us or not? Yeah, amen. I mean, they just saw the Red Sea split. And He brought them through. And they still said, is God with us or not? Can you see how God is offended by this? Amen. He's like, am I with you or not? I'm in, the, I'm in the cloud. I'm in the fire. I'm in your manna that you eat every day. I am that bread. I provide for you. I am your provision. And you don't even recognize me for what I am. Right? That's what he's saying to the people. Am I with you or not? You're tempting me. What more could I do to show myself to you is what the Lord is saying. I am with you. And I don't want you to doubt it. Oh, ye of little faith. And I believe that that's what the Lord's saying to us, is I am with you. I am among you. And don't you forget it. Right? If you've been saved and born again by grace through faith in Christ Jesus, you've been sealed with that Holy Spirit. That, that water did pour out. <laughs> it did seal you until the day of redemption. And He doesn't ever want us to forget His presence in our lives. He wants us to be men and women of faith to believe Him about everything. You say, yeah, I'll believe Him about everything, but i got to worry about my daily food. No. No. That's the point. You don't have to worry about that. That's what He's trying to tell you. I'll take care of you. I'll provide for you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. You know what I find that's interesting here? These people were murmuring and complaining, but God was still gracious. You know what Paul said about the rock? (laughs) You know what Paul said about the rock? If we go back there to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he said the rock followed them around. Didn't he say that? The rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. You know, if you be honest and you look back in your life, you know what you'll find? You'll find that, sad to say, there's been some times that I've murmured and complained. There's been some times that I've been because of unbelief and doubt that I've even tempted God and saying, are you with me? Are you going to leave me? What's going on? I've even said things like that, right? If you'd be honest, you'd be like me and say there's been times like that. But then if you'd be honest and look back, you'd find that the rock has been falling with you around. Even in your unbelief and even in your murmuring and complaining that 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 man had never stopped for 40 years, that that water was always there. 
that when you look back and you find out that, hey, God, you have provided for my earthly needs. The fact that I'm here this morning is proof that, God, you are at work in my life. The fact that I'm here this morning is proof that, God, you are with me and you are leading me and you are guiding me. But it's better than that. It's not just that He provides for our daily bread and the, and the drink that we are, but He's the living. And this is where He wants us to get to. He wants us to get from the, the baby Christian where we're like, God, are you going to provide for all my needs? Yes, I'll provide for all your needs. But now here's what I want from you. I want you to want me. You know what He wanted from the people in John chapter 6? If you read that whole thing, you know what He wanted from them? He didn't want them to follow Him because of the miracles. He didn't want them to follow him because of the bread and the lunch that he gave. He wanted them to follow them because he was God. Because he was the living bread. Because he was God that came down from heaven, sent from the Father. And that's what he wants from us. He wants us to get to a spot where we're, where we're not... We're not following Him for any... We're not trying to manipulate Him. We know He's got us taken care of. He can supply our needs. He will supply our needs. He wants us to seek Him and follow Him because He is who He says He is. He's a rock that satisfies. He is our rock. Isn't it interesting that God provides, though, in such strange ways? The last place you'd think that you'd look for water is in a rock. You know, and he whacked the rock and it poured out. The last place you'd think that the, the bread was going to come was from the sky, right? God can provide in any which way. Don't worry about how he's going to do it. He will do it. Worry about him and seeking after him. He is that rock. Isaiah 32 and verse 2 says this, As the rivers of water in a dry place, as the shadow of a rock, in a weary land. That's that, that's that song we sing. Jesus is a rock in a weary land. A shade by day, defense by night. A shelter in the time of storm. A rock divine, a refuge dear. Be thou my helper ever near. A shelter in the time of storm. You know what David the psalmist said? He said, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Jesus Christ is our meat he is our bread. He is our rock. He is our provision. Would you this morning, I don't know who in here is, is facing something that they don't know how they're going to get through or how they're going to get past. Uh, can I say this? It may be a test. Matter of fact, I think it is. I think you're being proven. And you know what I think the Lord wants from you? I'm telling you the truth. I think He wants you to say, I trust you, God. I trust you. I trust you, God. Whatever's going to happen... Let it happen. Let come what may. I believe in you. I believe that you are my supply. You are my, my everything. You've provided for me every day up to this point, And I believe you're going to provide for me all the way home. You are my rock and my salvation. You are my bread and my life. And I'll forget all the carnal stuff. Because I know you got that covered. And I can turn my attention to you, God, and say, now I want to trust you for more spiritual life and more spiritual growth. I trust God. Can you say that this morning? I trust Him with my heart, whatever it is that we're facing. I trust you, Lord. I believe in you. You can provide. Listen, He has a proven track record, doesn't He? He's faithful. He is faithful. He can help us. He will help us. And by us trusting Him through this, our faith can grow. And grow closer to Him. He'll provide for us. 
He'll provide that spiritual meat, that living water that satisfies the soul. You know, you'll never know about that satisfaction of the soul until you just say, okay, God, I'm putting all the temporary stuff aside for now, my daily bread and my thirst of the world, and I want you to satisfy my soul because you are the bread of life and you are that living water that can do that. God can supply. Trust Him to supply. You say, what can God supply? That's a a good question. What can God supply? Here's, Here's the truth. He can supply everything that we need. We sang that song this morning. Jesus Christ is all I need, right? Now, we don't want to be hypocritical in singing that. Do we believe it? He is. He is all we need. Can we trust that? Can we believe that? His promises are faithful. Whatever we're facing today, trust in Him. Trust that God can provide. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. We'd love to hear from you and learn how you've been encouraged or challenged by this podcast. Please leave a comment on the Contact Us page on our website, or you could write to us at P.O. Box 641, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. Feel free to visit us anytime that you're in the Springboro, Ohio area.